Thanks for listening to the Campus Collective Podcast. As always, we pray that this resource is a helpful supplement for you as a follower of Jesus and as an active member in your local church. We love God's design for His church, and we believe that this resource could never substitute the incredible things that come from active involvement with a community of believers. Campus Collective is a ministry of Huntington Community Church. To learn more, visit our website at HuntingtonCommunityChurch.com. From the bottom of my heart, I'd like to wish you guys a happy panel day. Thank you. I was expecting more than that, but that's okay. Um, so my original plan was to hold this mic and act like I, had, I needed this one, but now I've already broken that joke, so we're going to roll. Um, if you've never been at a Campus Collective panel before, um, what these are is we take a break in our kind of regular um, worship services um, to address different topics. So whenever we say panel, it just means a, a conversation. Um, so we are going to be doing this the entire time. Um, so I have a few just sort of introductory comments to get out of the way so that you all kind of know where we're heading, uh, what the point of this is, and um, really just what the issues that we're, we're trying to tackle from a biblical perspective uh, tonight. So before we do that, I want to go ahead and introduce the panelists to you all because you all might not know everybody up here. Um, We'll start on the end. You guys know Jana. This is Jana. She is a member of HCC, the Associate Director of Campus Collective. Um, she has a, I don't know your exact degree, but a seminary degree in Biblical Counseling. I don't know what you call it. Masters of Arts. Masters of Arts in Biblical Counseling. And she's also engaged. She is getting married. March 13th. March 13th to Miles Gray, who is, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The, this is the exact vibe that we need. I appreciate the applause. This, the point of this is that's a conversation, so thank you. Um, Miles is a um, doctor in Pittsburgh, so she'll be going to Pittsburgh in March, which is sad, but we're happy for her. Um, next beside her is Nate Bordenada. He's also a member of HCC, a deacon here at Huntington Community Church um, on staff with Campus Collective um, on the worship team, as you guys have probably seen, and also um, on the teaching team. So he'll be preaching here in a few weeks as we get back to our uh, series in Mark um, next week. He's not preaching next week, but, you know, as we get back to Mark, then he's going to be preaching. Also married to Liza and a father of two. How old are your kids, Nate? Almost three, actually three tomorrow and a little bit over two months. Nice. Okay. Beside Nate is Brenton Hutton, a member of HCC, husband to Hannah, father of three, a former missionary. Where were you overseas at, Brenton? Uh, Kosovo and Cyprus. Okay, and then now he is in Huntington as an ER nurse. Um, and then beside him is Courtney Epperly, member of HCC. Um, her main responsibility here at Collective is coordinating snacks, so thank you for that. Um, also a deaconess here at HCC, wife to me, if you didn't know that, um, mother of, our, of Duke, and we have one on the way coming really soon. December 1st is the due date, so we are about ready to and uh, welcome our second son into the world. Um, also, she's just an all-around genius and my favorite person on the panel. So, um, now that the, and if you don't know me, I'm Dustin, um, also get to help lead Campus Collective. You guys, if you're, if you're new, normally, um, you'll, you'll usually see me up front preaching, but tonight I have the honor um, of getting to moderate uh, this conversation. But before we get directly into it. I want to turn your attention to uh, one verse. It's Romans 12, 2. Um, you don't have to turn there. It should be on our screen. 
There it is. And I'm just going to read this and just give you a challenge as we get ready to engage this tonight, okay? And in Paul's writing, he says this. It's a command. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So you need to know this, especially on a college campus, there are many worldviews presented in our world, in our culture, that as followers of Jesus, we must not be conformed to, okay? You need to understand that. There are, there's a worldview that comes with following Jesus that is um, antagonistic. It is different than um, the worldviews that we see in our world. So in our discipleship, part of what the, the reason of this tonight is, is in our discipleship, we must strive to let the Spirit of God, through his word, renew our minds so that we can understand what is good, acceptable, and perfect, and reject what is bad, unacceptable, and imperfect. So, that's the point of these panels. We want you to get a chance to watch godly people whom I love dearly and trust. They are going to discuss hard topics from a biblical perspective. So, just a few disclaimers. If you are uncomfortable with disagreement then you need to prepare to be uncomfortable tonight. Um, But also, if you are wanting them to debate and argue and be awkwardly disrespectful, you will also be disappointed. Um, The the point of this is that we rally around things that we know are true and try to balance out that living in wisdom in the broken world as broken people. Um, And here's the thing. You guys need to know how to do this. Okay, You might not have all of the answers of all the questions that we talk about, but part of the, the point of this ministry, we want to train you so that when you experience worldviews, when you experience the brokenness of the world that we live in and your own brokenness, you are able to discern what the will of God is. So my job tonight is going to be to moderate, so I get to ask the questions, make connections with their thoughts, keep the conversation moving. Um, another thing, too, it's really important um, for our ministry here. If you hear things tonight that you are confusing, Uh, that you are confusing, that are confusing, or if you're confusing, you can still talk to us, Um, or that you might disagree with, please let us know. Here's the thing. You can't claim to be a follower of Christ and disagree with the Bible, okay? That's not an option. But the way that we live out these things in wisdom, you may have more questions or pushback. We want to invite that, okay? Um, None of us up here are inerrant. Only the word of God is absolute truth. And we're going to do our best to tackle these topics from a biblical worldview. But we want to invite the conversation, Uh, We want you to not be intimidated by that. We want you to learn through this. So let's break down the title um, of this panel. If you can put the title slide back up. Um, It's Living Out the Gospel in a Sexualized Culture. So there's two parts there. Living out the gospel. What this means, if you you are going to take notes tonight, living in obedience to God's word in response to the salvation that Jesus has purchased for us. So here's another thing. Some of you, not all of you in here tonight, are followers of Christ. You might come in here with a worldview that is different than what the Bible teaches. And you need to understand this uh, to the followers of Christ in the room. You don't get to expect that people who reject Jesus as their Lord will want to live by the same sexual ethics that we do. Um, But if you have believed the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, repentance for you is going to look like aligning your thoughts and behaviors with the way that God says that we should because his commands are for our good. And believe it or not, that's actually going to look different for some people. While we all agree on the same truths and the morality, unchangingness of God's standard behind sexual ethics, the wisdom of living that out is where the tension and the conversation will happen tonight. 
Um, a sexualized culture, um, it, it doesn't take too much um, observation to understand that one of the major idols um, of our culture is sex. We define our identities by it. We, inter- we entertain ourselves with it. It sells in commercials. If you've ever been really confused by the Hardee's commercials that for whatever reason don't think a cheeseburger is enough, they have to use sex appeal, right? A lot of our commercials and our movies and our things want to use the enticement of sexual sin to entertain us. It is seen as the highest and best pleasure oftentimes. But here's the thing. As the people of God, we can't just remove ourselves from the culture. We have to live on mission in that culture. So how do we do it? Um, There's going to be nuance here. Um, There's different situations, and we want to, once again, just invite you um, to talk to us. And I'm almost done talking, so this actually are going to get to them. Um, But I want to take one more moment just to give you theological foundations of what everybody up here would affirm so that you have, you're not wondering what perspective that we're coming from, okay? So here's some things that we believe um, the Bible teaches, okay? First of all is that God has made human beings in his image. This means every man, every woman deserves dignity um, and respect, um, that God has put his mark on us, he has created us literally in his own image, We also believe that God created marriage as a covenant, lifelong commitment of one man and one woman. And with that, what the Bible would teach is that any sexual act outside of marriage is sinful. Um, This would include sinning in any way that reveals our sexual brokenness. So this is everything from lust in your heart to heterosexual fornication to homosexual behavior to pornography Um, masturbation, whatever you want to put in there that reveals our sexual brokenness, if it is outside of the covenant, one man, one woman that God has ordained, God calls that sin. Now, we also want to affirm and um, celebrate because we believe in the goodness of singleness for the kingdom of God. And that is because we believe a person's highest calling, please understand this, a person's highest calling is not to marriage or parenthood, but to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We also believe, and this is where probably things will get interesting, um, we believe that dating, air quotes, is a cultural construct that can be used for good or for bad. Okay? So dating is made up. I don't know if you knew this. Like, it's sort of, you can't find that really in the Bible. Um, Also, not every culture does it like we do. Okay? So it's a cultural construct that can be used to glorify God or it can be used for sin. So for Christians who are dating each other, they are primarily brother and sister in Christ, and that should guide their behavior with each other. And then lastly, before we get to the questions here, since God commands us to not be unequally yoked, it is good and wise for Christians to only date other Christians, or followers of Jesus should date other followers of Jesus. Okay, so before I even start, anything you guys would like to add or clarify, or are you all just good with amening that? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Janet. Okay, so here we go. First uh, topic, um, and, and just so you know, we, we talked about this one time. Uh, this is not scripted. <laughs> this is us just trying to have a conversation, wrestling with what the Word of God teaches and how we can live this out. So. With all that being said, we're going to talk about the idea of brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? Um, So the first question, can men and women be friends?
Yes. <laughs> okay. Why would I even ask that question and what do you, why do you say yes? Why do I think you're asking that question or? Yeah. Um, I think you're asking that question because it's hard usually in a dating relationship if people claim that they're friends, a guy and a girl are friends, at least one party has feelings for the other, usually. And in the context of married people being friends, sometimes it can get a little awkward and people, that we definitely want to make sure that people are protecting their marriages and not getting too close to someone who's not their husband or wife. But at the same time, I still believe that men and women can be friends. I think it's different um, in the church body and among Christians than it is with people outside of the church. Um, and I think that we probably need to define what we mean by friends, but as a general principle, I would say yes. Okay. Any other thoughts on that? As far as brothers and sisters go, I think yes, and we should be friends. Yeah. There should be, there's common ground in the gospel and in knowing Christ and having the Holy Spirit that we should be friends as far as being able to get along to, um, yeah, and even enjoy each other's company to a certain extent, I think. But I think that relationship is still different than, I guess, your and mine relationship doesn't would be different than uh, mine and Courtney's relationship as far as friend friendship goes. Okay, yeah. In what ways? I am not going to confess sin to Courtney, but I will confess sin to you. Um, mm. Like the deepest parts of my heart, like I will share with you, but um, nope, I'm not going to share that with Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> You can say that in the mic, Courtney. Don't want to know. <laughs> or like, I would go to Target with Liza. Probably wouldn't go to Target with you. I'm glad, because I don't want to go to Target. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think what you're saying is the amount of time that maybe you'd spend with that person and the situations that you'd spend um, might look different um, depending on that relationship. And even... I mean, this example is between two married couples, but I think that is true even amongst single people, right? Like your female friendships are probably going to look, as a female, your female friendships are going to look different than your friendships mm. with your brothers in Christ. Um, and that's okay. Like men and women are different and that's okay. And it's okay to have, um, you know, just like a special camaraderie with your sisters in Christ that you don't have with your brothers in Christ. I think I would just say that it shouldn't be that, like, the relationship between men and women in the church shouldn't be very close, and between women it should. I think it should be more like it can be even closer, women and women being friends. Because I still think that brothers and sisters in Christ are commanded to do the one another's with each other, regardless of if they're married or single, and that we sh the strongest churches are only as strong as their weakest relationships and if we are drawing hard boundaries between um, married men and single women or married men and married women men and women at all i think that you just that's a weakness in the church if 
And I think this is why we talk about in a sexualized culture, because if you start to primarily view people of the opposite sex as either like an, an option when you're dating, like, um, I don't know if I'm going to be friends with them because I don't know if I like them that way or not. Well, th that seems sinful to me because you're primarily viewing them as an option and not as an image of God or as a brother or sister. Or if you view them as like a stumbling block to your marriage, that also is a problem because that, in a sense, sexualizes them. That puts them as an option to tear down your marriage. And Dustin and I were talking right before this, like, I want my friendship with Dustin to contribute to making his marriage with Courtney stronger. I want, I don't want to just be the recipient of a gracious friendship, but I want to be able to give friendship back to Dustin in a way that makes his relationship stronger. Well, let's talk more about the, the tension there then. Let's, let's think in a, in a college context where um, most of the people here tonight are not married. Um, what, what makes it difficult? So it, why even ask the, like really, if we're asking the question, that means that Sometimes it's hard for guys and girls to be friends, but if we're saying that in Christ they should be brother and sister, there should be healthy friendship, um, what, what makes it difficult? What, what, what obstacles would we have to overcome to be able to make that happen? I think the one that immediately comes to everyone's mind is adultery. Right? Is that the obstacle that we're Let, talking about? Let's think in let's think in college dating context, right? right. So like in a, in a temptation. Okay. What do you mean? What do I mean by that? Yeah. Like why would that be? Let's let's press into like I want us to hear what the difficulty is, and then what what can we do? How do we balance in that tension of still being friends? Somebody else take a crack at it. <laughs> Um, I was just, me and Dustin were talking about this, um, how like men and women are just like biologically designed by God just to like be attracted to one another. So I feel like that's an obstacle to overcome when everyone's single and you're trying to navigate male-female friendships. Okay, so there's a, there's a, there's on, on one hand we have, we don't want to treat each other only like sexual temptations. But on the one hand, in a sexualized culture, um, particularly where, um, literally, in a culture that worships sex, right? And, and, and if, even as followers of Jesus, we are lured and enticed and changed by the culture, by the idols of our culture. Um, what would you all say in your own lives? But I want you to especially try to think in, the, in, a, in a dating context. Um, not even in dating, but in a, in a culture, in a college ministry context where not everybody's married, all right? How do we balance that? What do you, what do, you do to still pursue healthy friendships um, with people, um, but also guard yourself from sexual temptation? I think a little bit is just per perception in the sense of if you are constantly going over to a friend's house or dorm room and you're alone together in that situation over and over, Maybe you are studying scripture and having great conversations, but the perception of your uh, roommates or other people around you is going to be different than, let's say, you go to Starbucks and meet and talk and have those conversations in a, a public place. Um, you know, you're putting yourself kind of that above reproach, 
putting yourself not in that temptation to be alone with somebody of the opposite sex, um, and also just to have a testimony to, this is a great friend of mine, we have a great relationship, she's a sister in Christ, um, and we're encouraging each other um, in this way, but behind closed doors may lead to some different perception. Okay, so one key is perception. What about, I, I, I want to ask questions as if it's 2012, and I'm Dustin, and, which I'm still Dustin, and it's not 2012, but what I'm thinking, so do, do I go into, um, do I need to go tell all of my friends that are girls, it's 2012 Dustin, uh, and say, hey, by the way, uh, I'm not interested in you. We're just friends. <laughs> is that a good idea? And why not? I mean, no one's gonna, no one's gonna want to be friends with you anymore if that, if you do that. So Fair. don't do that. And I didn't. Good. I don't think. Good. <laughs> I I think that's just where it comes in as like you have to first and foremost view each other as other people made in the image of God, as brothers and sisters first. And like if you can't get there in your mind, then think about how you view your biological brother and sister if that helps you. And if you are viewing this person that you are either friends with or you're interested in as so vastly different from that that you can't even picture loving them that platonically, then then something's off. And and if you are like so like sexually tempted, if you have and, and maybe this stems from like a pornography problem or just a complete lack of um, control in your thought life that you can't even be in a room with your sisters in Christ and not start to think about them sexually or be tempted by them, then honestly, you have no business dating anyone. You have got to get that right in your mind. And in, you need to be getting with people and getting accountability and confessing sin and saying, my thoughts are jacked up and I am not viewing my sisters as people who are fundamentally people created by God. Instead, I'm viewing them as a commodity. Then, then you got to get that right and you have no business dating at all. I think another helpful thing is just like being in community. Like, I think it's a really safe way to develop, um, you know, these guy girl friendships. Like, yeah, you, it doesn't have to be one on one, and that kind of takes away any sort of hmm. temptation. So, just hang out with a group of people and like build relationships that way. Would you say it's wise for your closest friendships to be? Like if you're a if you're a, a, a sister, your closest friendships should be with sisters and vice versa. And why? Or why not? That's a hard question for me. Because it is true that some of my closest relationships are my sisters, but also like if I can't discredit the impact that Dustin Epperly and Adam Goodwin have had in my life. And I would say that I'm close to both of those men. And like they have sacrificially served and loved me in ways that I will always be thankful for for the rest of my life. And so, and like, I, again, I agree that like that relationship is different fundamentally than it is with that, the relationship that I have with other women in the church. 
but it's still vitally important to my walk with Christ. Hmm. So uh, it's just a hard question. Yeah, sure. Anybody think that question was easy? All right, Nate. Yeah, I think it was easy. Okay. <laughs> Why? I'm trying to think, like, what is the heart behind it? And I think it's because emotional emo, emotional intimacy, like, draws your heart to that other person. So I don't think that there's anything particularly wrong with having a heart-to-heart, -heart, but I think repetitive heart-to-hearts, making a habit, being that person's shoulder to cry on is going to undoubtedly draw those two people closer. Yep. I think that's all I had there. That's okay. one of the yeah. reasons why it's better to yeah, your closest friends to be okay. the same sex. Any other thoughts on friendship before we move to a new question? We solved it all. Okay. Okay, so let's say um, these friends eventually want to date. All right? So uh, I'm assuming that, you know, I'm assuming that most of y'all want to date at some point, right? You want to date, um, and maybe even um, your hope is to get married, and in our culture, usually what that's going to look like is you date first, right? So, so I, I, the, the broad question here is just how, how are we supposed to date in, in, in a way that glorifies God? Um, and I have a few kind of like, sub-questions in that, but anybody want to just kind of take a stab of, of what, what we mean when we say we want to date for the glory of God in, in a college context? These three, they're always going to make me answer first. Um, I think that even though dating is made up, we can borrow principles from marriage, such as you should push each other to look more like Christ. If your dating relationship does not make you look more like Christ as a result of it, then you shouldn't be dating that person. Um, you should be serving one another in love, um, which is again, similar to what you should be doing with all your brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and also, like, there's a certain issue of compatibility, like, if y'all don't get along, or if, like, one person, if both of you are extreme introverts, and so you encourage each other to, like, always be home and never have friends, like, that's not super compatible. Or if both of you are, like, naturally pessimistic, and so you're all, you're just two Debbie Downers all the time, like, that's not super compatible. Like, you should take that into consideration as well. All right, some sub-questions. Um, should dating be easy or hard? Cordina, it was super easy for you when we dated. Um, so what would you say? It's funny because, like, my whole life, my dad has always been like, dating should be easy. Because if dating's not easy, then marriage is going to be really hard. Um, and I think I always just kind of had that mindset. So, yes, I think dating should be really easy. And obviously, you can, like, walk through hard situations. But 
at the the core of your like relationship, like how you relate to each other. Um, is there tension? Are you fighting? Like in terms of those things, I think it should be really easy. And if it's not, then like you're probably not super compatible. Yeah, if you have to constantly reevaluate if you should break up, then you probably should. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> I mean, if there's issues, if you're just asking that question because you're an anxious person, like that's not necessarily true. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> but I think a, a consistent pattern. Sure. Yeah. Sure, if we were, we've been fighting, should we break up? And you're fighting the next day, should we break up? And you're fighting the next day. Okay, maybe it's time. Yeah, okay. Okay. I also, a general principle I live by in all areas of my life is, if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. <laughs> wow. You can borrow that if you want. It's not... <laughs> By the end of this, I will think of a few times when that doesn't apply, but I, I, uh, I sort of like it. You didn't have to cuss, though. What so. the heck? <laughs> yeah, I think I would just add, you're, when you start dating somebody, you bring a lot of other experiences into that relationship. So sometimes, um, you know, I ask Hannah some of these questions, and there were some aspects of our dating relationship that were hard, um, extremely difficult, but they all revol revolved around things that we were bringing into hmm. that relationship. Um, and I'm, I, I don't care to elaborate on that. I had a girlfriend that literally we would get in the car and go to a Bible study, me and one of her friends, and they would arrange questions to set me up to see how I would answer certain things. Hmm. And it, yeah, it was really weird. And that is weird. Hence why we Don't didn't do continue that. Anybody. Uh, in, in dating. But it was one of those things that sometimes I felt like I was being set up when Hannah and I uh -huh. had conversations. And she would have to look at me and say, I'm not trying to set you up in this. I'm just trying to ask you a question. But I brought a lot of that scar tissue, hmm frustration from previous relationships in, and the same thing goes for her. So there were aspects that were definitely hard, but when it came to hanging out with her, wanting to be around her, um, that was, you know, a no-brainer. That was easy. Okay. Um, so, but I wouldn't say just because there are hard things, analyze where those are coming from, and are those coming from a place of sin or something that you're bringing into the relationship from, I mean, we could spend an hour on yeah, where sure. that could come from. So. Just analyze that. Yeah, that's helpful. Nate, does that mic position mean you're about to say something, or is that just default? This is the most comfortable. Interesting. Okay. Um, okay. So a quick question here. Uh, something that I feel very passionate about, and, and if you're on student leadership here, you've heard me say this a million times. I want people, um, myself included, to handle sin like sin and don't handle sin like drama. All right? So, so how do we... How do we date in a community where 
people may end up dating each other or breaking up or whatever. How do we do that and it not just be sinful drama time? Sinful drama time. How do we, how do we avoid that? So, like, how do we break up? Is that what you're asking? Or? Yeah. Hmm. How do we date in community and break up in community in a way that doesn't make it all drama? Maybe there's two perspectives there, too. As the person who is either breaking up with someone or you are getting broken up with or you're watching the breakup happen, how do we handle ourselves in a way that honors the Lord and contributes to a culture of health and not train wreck drama time? I think like we talked about, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're in a community of people that are surrounding you in that relationship, then you're going to have multiple people that are speaking into your life that are saying, hey, this, this isn't really going that great. Can you see this from our perspective? Um, so I think that would be one thing. Okay. And then that community can kind of help, I don't know, embrace you through that trauma of breaking up. Yeah. I think even though dating isn't in the Bible, there are plenty of scriptures that point us to how to treat each other. And yeah. like, if you are really having a bad breakup, love your enemies can be a good scripture to apply. I mean, how do you love your, how do you put your enemies ahead of yourself and love them and sacrificially that Christ loves them? You're not going to force people into picking sides. You're not going to hmm. spread high and low what has happened to you and then try and get people to back you up. You're going to protect that person, even if they don't deserve it, even if they really have sinned against you. Mm. And that's hard. I've been there. And I, want, I wanted so bad to get people to be in my corner, but like, is, does that look like Christ? That's good. That's what I was going to say, Jan, is that the good part of breaking up is it gives you a great opportunity to look like Christ. Um, and just like choosing to show that person grace, even if they don't deserve it, right? Because like, that's what Christ does for us. So even if you were the one completely wronged, like you can still choose to show that person grace by not gossiping about it and by choosing to go to the Lord with your hurt instead of everyone. Now, I'm not saying you can't have like close friends that you obviously talk to and confide in, but I think for all those parties, like if you're the one who initiated the breakup, received it, or just a bystander, like, I think we just need to have a higher standard of, like, stopping gossip. Like, the Bible's very clear. Like, it lists gossip with some intense sins. And, like, we just need to have a higher standard of this is gossip. We're not going to talk about it sort of thing. Yeah, I want to say one thing, too. Just... Just as a pastoral moment, um, what we're not talking about here is abusive situations, okay? So, like, um, if, you're in a, if you're in a situation where the sin against you is criminal or it is violent or it is abusive, um, that is something you tell someone. And we hope that you're in a community where you feel like you can and the, and the goal will be to get you safe. Uh, the proper Christ-like response is not, hey, quit trying to make sides here, okay? That, it, that is not uh, how the kingdom of God operates. So whenever we're talking about this, uh, I just want to make that really, really clear um, because I think, um, I know uh, that um, particularly I think men will masquerade 
um, as spiritual people and use the gospel um, as a way to abuse people, uh, that they should be forgiven, they should be shown grace, um, and, and grace is not, um, whereas there is forgiveness for any depth of sin, um, there, there is justice from the Lord and there is safety in that too. So just want to say that up front. Um, as, we're, as we're considering those things, we are not talking about that, and that, that should be made very, very clear. Um, okay, you all kind of hit on, on all of that. I'm ready to move on. Um, are you all ready to move on? Ready to break up with this section? Um, okay, I think we can still be friends. All right, um, so this is going to be a time um, that, that I really want us to get practical here, okay? Uh, because the next kind of topic um, is sexual sin, okay? And, and staying in uh, the theme of, of dating for a, for a moment, um, let's go ahead and ask the question, um, how far is too far? Um, if we, we've talked about glorifying the Lord, part of that's got to be sexual purity, right? So wh- how, do you, how do you all wrestle with that? What would you say? Uh, how far is too far? Or maybe first of all, why don't you just tell me why this is so difficult yeah. to answer? Because it's the wrong question. It is the wrong question. Uh, asking how far is too far. Wow, oh, man, thanks. <laughs> I wasn't trying to. You could have told me that earlier in our pre-meeting for this. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, I would say how far is too far is the wrong question because it. Um, it doesn't frame it in a way to obey, um, to obey a command of the Lord. Instead of like, how far is too far? We should be asking ourselves, um, how can we be pure? How how do we behave in a pure manner towards our brothers or sisters? And, uh, yeah, it's more of a, going the right direction. I think. I got a question then. Um, yeah. How can we be pure? Uh, in our relationships. Okay, I'll just fine. <laughs> I think I think probably the reason we're hemming and hawing is because we're in front of a bunch of people. But if I was sitting down with a girl that I was discipling, I would say baseline, obviously, absolutely no sex before marriage, no sexual acts before marriage. However, I also think you shouldn't be doing anything that draws your mind towards sex. So that, could, that can be different for different people. Some people can kiss for 20 minutes and they don't think about sex. Their mind doesn't go, where's this going to go? What, what's, what's happening here? But for most people, <laughs> probably not true. So. I, everyone needs to take, I think everyone's like, I can, I can, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But take a hard look at your heart. Take a hard look at your mind. What are you, what are you what's your goal here? Where, where's your heart going? Is your heart to serve and love this person? Because if so, then you won't be coming so dangerously close to something that God clearly says is sin. Yeah, I think that's kind of like, where we need to start is that 
we mentioned that dating isn't explicitly in the Bible, but this is something that's explicitly in the Bible, right? Like um, Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus says, like, even to, like, think lustful thoughts about a woman is like committing adultery in your heart. Mm. And then the next couple lines are about, like, if your eye causes you to sin, like, tear it out and throw it away. If your hand causes you to sin, like, chop it off, throw it away. So that is, like, the length that Christ, like, wants us to go to to maintain purity. And so, like, I think just that's kind of where we need to start is not how far is too far because for Christ's standard, it's like, wow, like, we can't even be asking that question. We just have to be asking, like, how can we be, like, most pure? Um, and I think the other thing I want to mention with this is that uh, in terms of, like, a dating relationship, I think this can change over time. Um, for example, when Dustin and I were dating, I know there were times where we were, like, we need to, like, step back and, like, not even kiss, like, at all because we're just like struggling with this so I think I don't know not creating like super rigid boundaries but just like consistently checking your heart like how are we doing with this do we need to kind of like I mean I think some rigid boundaries are super good but I'm saying like maybe even pulling them back even farther like just because you've set this boundary doesn't mean we can't like bring it back but to go along with, like, it's still all about your heart, you could not kiss your significant other and still be sinning against them. Sure. Mm-hmm. It, so it's, it, it really is all about, like, where's your heart and where's your mind? So I was kind of right to begin with. Yeah, pretty much, man. <laughs> Gosh. Any other thoughts on this? just reinforcing that in Ephesians 5, 3, it says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Yeah. So convicting. Is your next question, what if you've already messed up? Yep. Okay. So what happens, um, I, I know I've walked with enough dating couples and even, even dating couples that love the Lord and, and maybe have, wisdom boundaries, community, accountability, all of these things, but they mess up sexually. Um, what, what happens then? What, what would you say to them? What should they do? What a, how do you process that? Um. First of all, I would say that there is grace for that. Sexual sin is not in a special category of less forgivable. And that you can decide that now you're going to start being pure. And you could leave tonight and be sexually pure in your mind and in your body. And you don't have to enter into a relationship or marriage someday with shame because you've messed up before now. I think I would just add that just because you're married doesn't mean that those things go away. You can still go into um, 
let's say your marriage bed with wrong ideas and wrong motives and still be sinning within that context. So I think the the, the cop-out answer, the, the way a lot of people will spin this is like, well, we'll be married and it'll be solved then, or we'll be married um, and it'll take care of this. But I think in, in that context, these are heart issues. Purity is something that you've got to work out now in singleness, but it just doesn't go away because you're married or you've decided not to get married. Those things continue with you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing I would I would first say is just like you're not alone in this struggle. Like this is something that is common to man in general. So um, don't feel like you can't invite close friendships in to help you along with that because chances are like anybody who's mentoring you or any close friendship is going to have dealt with this before. So I would just say like you're not alone and yes there's grace um, but there um, needs to be repentance right like there needs to be a turning from this sin um, where you know you know this is wrong I'm going to turn from it and like having a plan and I think that having community and like close friendships helps with that as well I also just want to make sure that we're we're acknowledging that this involves pornography as well and I think so often um, in men's bible studies and men's accountability groups pornography is talked about but it's not talked about at all among women and that there's actually pretty high statistics for um, the use of pornography among women in the church it's almost 50 percent where with men it's like 90 percent and it's just rarely acknowledged and that um, I think a lack of acknowledgement locks people up in chains and when you're able to bring it out into the light and acknowledge this is something that people struggle with it's easier for you to come and and confess that to somebody and get accountability for that yeah that's really good i I think i want to i want to hit on it's amazing how fast time is going um i want to hit on the locked up in chains aspect i think um we would be uh unfaithful to to the fullness of what god has to say about sexual sin if we don't talk about um Um, same-sex attraction as well. Uh, So I think two things that often in our culture, um, particularly in church culture, uh, that gets probably locked up in shame the most would be pornography use and same-sex attraction. I think in a lot of ways for for probably a variety of different reasons. So so let's speak to that. Let's apply the gospel um, to to the shame of, of of a sexual temptation that can never be righteously satisfied, okay? So what I mean by that is, if, if you are a person who never gets married, right? You're never married. Um, the heterosexual temptation that you have can never be righteously satisfied, apart from marriage, right? Righteously satisfied. I mean, you cannot act on that. Follow, following Jesus means purity in that way. Um, same, same goes for same-sex attraction, right? Like, Homosexual behavior would be outside of what God has for, for what sex um, is designed to be. So why don't you speak to that briefly before we go um, into our next section. Uh, how, do we, how do we create a culture of grace where um, shame of that magnitude um, is undone and that people are uh, free from that shame in a way that they can fight openly uh, for purity no matter what their sexual brokenness is? 
think I would just start saying the the gospel is good news for all people. Um, you know, if if the if the gospel isn't um, breaking down barriers and breaking into sin in our lives, then you know we've all got a world of problems. But these pornography, same-sex attraction—they're not any more sinful than other sins. Mm. And I think we tend to highlight those things um, for, for whatever reasons. But it, the gospel is good news. That's what it is, and that's what it's called to—to to be in those spaces. Mm. Um, so you, you would say someone with a shameful, secretive. Um, sexual temptation like maybe one of these those people can by the grace of God live a sexually pure life uh, glorifying to the Lord Absolutely. yeah I am 30 years old and I am just now engaged and I've only been you know dating Miles since February and so like before Miles and I entered into a relationship I wasn't sure if I was called to singleness for the rest of my life or not and so I've spent I spent all of my 20s wondering that on and off, and just, um, I've, so I can sort of identify with like this fear of like, what if I'm single for the rest of my life? And I just, um, the church over and over and over again was there for me, and Christ over and over and over again was there for me. And um, like, I just think, Scripture is clear. Like Second Peter says, we have everything we need to live a satisfying, God-pleasing life. We have everything we need for, for life and godliness. And um, I think that part of the reason why it's like a shameful secret of sin that we don't bring out is because the church hasn't done really, really well with acknowledging it. The church is kind of uncomfortable with having these conversations. And um, like I, I know that I always want to be a part of a church that when someone comes to me and says, I am same-sex attracted. I don't, I'm a woman, and I don't think I will ever be able to be attracted to a man. I don't want my reaction to be, ill. I want my reaction to be like, what do you need from me? How can I walk through this with you? How can I invite you into my family so that you have family? How can I love you so that you don't feel like you're missing out on what the rest of the church gets to experience? Hmm. And I think that if our response is better, then it becomes less of a, of a thing that can't be talked about. And I think just, like you kind of already touched on this, but operating from the framework of that homosexual homosexuality or pornography, like they fall under the same umbrella as sexual morality. And so like, why are we separating these things out and like magnifying them? Um, like, for some reason, you know, like a guy who sleeps around is not looked on with as much condemnation sometimes as like someone who would struggle with same-sex attraction. I think that's just like a really um, incorrect view and like can be really hurtful and detrimental to relationships in the church. So I think not identifying the person by their sin, but like as a brother and sister first someone struggling with something just as we all are like it's not who they are yeah that's good i i, I would we got to move on just because it's time is flying but i would i would just say that i pray that if you are someone um 
first of all, if you follow Jesus in a ministry context, that you act in a way that is conducive to this shame-destroying culture, right? Like, we want to be people of grace and love and truth to where no matter which brand of sexual brokenness that you have, uh, you have people in your corner that can fight and help you look um, toward purity, whatever that may be. Um, so that's really good stuff, guys. And that means not joking about it, not making light of it. And, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, that's really good. Uh, just once again, want to reiterate, we have another section to get through, so we got to get going. But I want to say, talk to us, okay? Uh, the people on this stage, the people, the person that invited you, we want to help all of you live um, and fight for purity in Christ. Um, whether or not marriage is ever in your future, um, whether or not your sexual temptations can be righteously satisfied, you can fight for purity. Um, there's a promise there that the pure in heart can see God. We want that for you. Um, okay, last section before we do rapid fire question time. Can I cut you off? Oh, absolutely. You said something the other day that um, I just feel like I've been quoting Adam, and I don't know if it's exactly his quote, but he said something two or three Sundays ago just that we're created for community. And so if you come on Tuesday night and then you go away and that's your only interaction with other believers, um, I think you're missing out on a big aspect that the church has to offer. So find, like he said, somebody like a D group or a community group or somebody that you can get plugged into because the church was created to be a community of people. Um, so if this is your only connection to Christianity, to Christ, um, I would just encourage you to find some other avenues um, and then also find some multi-generational um, folks that you can learn from and lean on that are farther down the path than you, um, that you can yeah. ask these questions to, um, maybe not even age-wise, but just you know, in spiritual maturity if you're new to the faith or... Um, just started checking this out. Absolutely. Yeah, I would rather you go to Sunday morning with a church body that loves you than Tuesday night any day. Um, this is a bridge into what God is doing through the local church. So that's beautiful stuff. Um, okay, last section before rapid fire. Um, then we'll, we'll conclude our time. Um, we're going to talk about singleness in general um, with a specific eye toward the idolatry of marriage. So the idolatry of marriage. So first of all, what is the idolatry of marriage? Is that a problem? What do I mean by that? What do y'all think? I think you mean that the goal of being a Christian is to be married. Mm. So I think that's a false perception. Um, I think Paul explicitly states that he was single and he desires that people stay where they are. So if you can pursue Christ and pursue ministry better single, that's what you should do. If it's in the context of a marriage relationship, that's where you are. If you're married, you can't go back on that. That's where you are. So those are kind of the, the I think, the context yeah. that we, um, if you're not on the road to marriage, sometimes Christians can push that direction rather than push people towards Christ. Mm. Yeah. Like, where marriage would, adultery of marriage would be where you would think that it was the most fulfilling thing in your life, or that it could potentially be the most fulfilling thing in your life, as opposed to Christ being like your ultimate joy. Marriage is not your ultimate joy. In fact, it only is a picture of the perfect joy that Christ has in its union with the 
in the church. I want to hear from the girls here. Um, so, in particular, for at least in my years of ministry, um, I've seen men struggle with the idolatry of marriage. It seems to be normally, um, at least in my perspective and perception, um, particularly uh, difficult for for uh, girls who follow Jesus. So, do you would you say that's also true, and why, and how would you kind of engage that? I prepared for this question. I went back and looked at the idol identifiers in my counseling notes from seminary, and I'd like to read them to you if that's okay. Um, these are five questions that identify what sits on the throne of your heart, aka what is an idol. Um, do I sin to get it? Do I sin if I don't get it? Do I say whatever it takes to have it, I'm going to do it? Does it consume my thoughts? If I don't get fill in the blank, I'll be depressed, angry, and anxious. Also, one that Andrew O'Callaghan brought up the other day was, if you're thinking, I want to go to heaven, but not before fill-in-the-blank happens to me, it's probably an idol. Yeah. On the other hand, I think that wanting marriage is good and godly, and can be, but it just can't consume your thoughts and your energy, your emotional capacity and all of your time so you got to hold those two things in tension like you can't worship it you can't want it more than you want christ but you can want it because it is a good gift and you should want good gifts so that just seems logical so you kind of got to hold those two things in tension yeah i definitely think women struggle with this more than men typically and um i don't really know the reason but i think out of those like often what i hear from girls is just like the thought life. Does it consume your thoughts? When you are anywhere with the opposite sex, are you always like looking for, you know, who, who can, who's cute? You know, like who, or not just who's cute, but like, he looked at me, we're getting married one day. You know, like, I think that might be an indicator of like an unhealthy uh, view of marriage. Yeah, for and sure. And I think what's really heartbreaking to me about the idolatry of marriage is just how utterly unfulfilling it is. Um, like, <laughs> I. <laughs> Dustin knows. I don't fulfill hey. him. Like, it's fine. Um, I think that, like, okay, that's funny to hear, but, like, it's really an obvious thing, right? Like, marriage does not fulfill you it does not complete you it is not a higher calling and like you'll be amazed one day when you get married and then you're like i'm the same person this is weird like it doesn't it doesn't elevate your status in any way and like dustin cannot fulfill me and i cannot fulfill him because christ is the only one who can fulfill us and so like that is what's so heartbreaking is like to idolize anything above Christ is just like such a ginormous waste of precious time that we have on earth to like spread the gospel. I also think one of the ways that we idolize it is by saying things like, well, you just haven't done A, B, or C yet, and once you do those things, then 
the right guy will come along. And mm. like all the girls in here that are single know what I'm talking about because your aunt at Thanksgiving has said something like that to you. Like, well, honey, you just need to let go and let God and then right, right when you're least expecting it, he's going to show up for you. Or like once you get more serious about reading Bible every single day for an hour a day, then that's when God's going to bless you with it because that's when you'll be ready or whatever. And like we make it into something mystical. And I think when you do that, you cross the line into idolatry because just like any other gift that God gives, it's just a gift. Like it's not something that's mystical. And if we want to really look at the way God gives gifts, we, could look, we should look towards salvation. Like, he gave that completely freely. So why would, we, why would we hold this lesser gift with, like, a higher standard of, like, salvation's free, and that's a great gift, but I want this one over here of marriage, so I'm going to have to work hard for that one. Like, that doesn't make sense. That's not in, in God's character. One more thing. And I think a word for the married people in the room is, like, we can help with this um, by not portraying our marriages as something that they're not. Like, I think it's unhelpful when all you see are these perfect social media pictures, with, like your perfect captions and like your adorable babies, which we do have an adorable baby. But um, <laughs> what's not helpful is when you just see that and you don't see the hard parts of it. And not that I need to like come up here and be like, listen to all this that Dustin did, but, like, in your close relationships, right, like, you need to be open and honest in our marriages with our close single relationships that, like, with our struggles, right? Like, marriage is hard, and it's okay to, like, let people see that. Like saying that your spouse is utterly unsatisfying. Things like that. Yeah. But I love you. Oh, I, that makes me love you more when you say stuff like that, so... I'm good. Okay. Can I just give one more, just brief? Yes. Just a little commercial break. It doesn't really relate to what we're saying, but I just want to say that single women in the church, especially late college or past college age, are the most marginalized group in the church and actually represent a very large portion of the church and that we should be loving and respecting single women in the church a little bit more than what we're doing because a single woman... In our church right now, in HGC right now, has very few people to look to as a potential date or husband someday. There's just not as many, statistically, there's not as many single men as women. I know 10 godly single women who are being faithful to church, who are serving, who are in the word and scripture, who are good women. And they could walk away from the church right now and find someone on Tinder and get married and be happy. Happy. But they're not doing that because they believe that Christ is worth it. And so we should love them and respect them and recognize the sacrifice that they're making. Just to put that out there. Yeah, that's good. To what? The next thing? Oh, yeah, I think she just hit on that, so we're probably good on that. Yeah. Um, any, uh, any other thoughts on singleness, idolatry, of marriage? Um, I know, man, we're hitting so much broad brush here. If you have more questions, please find us, talk to us. Um, we, we are trying to show you a lot of different things. So I realize we could probably do this all night, but I don't think any of y'all want to do that. So any other thoughts before we go to rapid fire? I would just say that building on what Jan was saying about single people in the church, um, I think, like, first of all, 
praying for your single friends and like acknowledging that it is a hard burden, especially once you've graduated college, like you guys are all pretty young, but um, I'm sure some of you will leave college single and that's great and fine, but like it is hard, especially for single women. So I think acknowledging that and praying with them in that. Um, I have prayed hundreds of times for the Lord to bring single godly men to Huntington for my single lady friends. And so some of you might have been called to Huntington. You're like, I don't know why. It's because I prayed you here. Um, but I think joining with our sisters in, in prayer, um, just not that they need a man, but like I know that's a desire of their heart and it's a good desire. And so like it's okay to, to join in, in prayer with them and to share those burdens with them. And then I think this is where, full circle, it's really important um, to have like male-female friendships. Like I really want my single friends to be friends with Dustin as well because like he's a great friend and I want them to experience like that friendship and that brotherhood with him. So I think back to male-female friendships are important. You know, thoughts? Okay. So this is rapid fire time, all right? Um, we're pretty much in overtime. It's 8.36, all right? We want to keep this at an hour. Um, but I want to just kind of ask just, you've got quick responses here, okay? And you all may disagree, and that's fine. But we're just going to we're gonna run through it. So first, first one, and this is a variety of any of these topics, okay? So this is like, we're not going to go through anything in particular. It's just all of them, a bunch of different stuff, okay? So first thing. Should dating people study the Bible together? Yes. 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 They can. <laughs> they don't have to. There's an argument floating oh, no. out there that you shouldn't do it because it promotes emotional intimacy, which can lead to physical intimacy, which is not appropriate for dating relationships. But I think that... You don't have to be discipling one another, but you can read the book of John and be like, did you see that cool thing Jesus did? Isn't that cool? Hmm. Study the Bible together. I just don't understand. I don't, like, I don't like saying that you shouldn't because when should Scripture not be allowed, not be allowed anywhere in your life? Okay, rapid fire. All right. Um, Sorry. How, how long should you date before you get married? Oh, I think it, probably you should see him at least for a year. Four seasons. Um, you are... <laughs> how, long you... <laughs> how long have you and Miles been dating? Seven months. <laughs> All right. Okay, but I knew him longer. I knew him longer. You should know them for at least four seasons. It depends on the person and the relationship, the maturity level other people breathing into that relationship again it depends i think if you just met somebody i would encourage you to date longer if you've been running around with that person in the same friend group been in community with them um i don't see that it has to go a certain year or two years or anything like that when me and Dustin were dating i told him i wouldn't get engaged before a year and he proposed exactly one year after we started dating so don't take me too literally here but um I also think that the younger you are, the longer you should date, probably. Okay. Is it okay to get married before you graduate college? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, but the younger you are, the longer you should date. <laughs> Why should single people and married people be friends with each other? I think that in the church, that single people can, being friends with other people in church can strengthen marriages and strengthen individual walks with Christ. I'm going to defer until the end. Okay. I know we're allowed to do I that. I think I'd just go back to we're created for community. So the more relationships you have uh, within the church, if you can come to our house and see how um, my wife and my kids interact, you will probably learn more about me than 10 hours of me setting up here talking. Um, so mm. you're going to be able to see how we treat one another. Um, and again, you can come be a part of that um, with our family and um, this is a hard question for me because I'm just like, I don't primarily see people as like single or married. So if I have friends, I have friends. And I think that single people can make married friendships stronger and married people can make single friendships stronger. That doesn't really make sense. But I just mean like we can strengthen each other and like that's not who you are. Like that's not your identity, your marital status. So yeah. We can point each other to Christ just the same as married or single. Okay. Group dates or alone dates? I'd say group to start. If you get serious about someone, you should probably start spending some one-on-one time together. Group dates, but I'm a hypocrite because I did mostly, like Liza and I dated mostly just us two, but we had also like known each other for a while and had hung out a lot, uh, out a lot as friends. I would say group dates for sure. Most of my dates were in my living room during quarantine, so. Hmm. I would also say group dates, and I would say um, probably public alone dates would probably be the best scenario. Yeah, I think a healthy mix, but I think group dates are definitely necessary. Is it okay to sleep at your boyfriend slash girlfriend's house while you're dating? Parentheses, even if it's not in the same bed, in parentheses. No. It's unwise, very, very unwise. But I can't just say no, it's an absolute sin to do it, but it is very unwise. He didn't say he's a sin, he said it's okay. I think it'd probably be a bad idea. I say hard no, but there was this one time where <laughs> Dustin was living in Milton and there was an absolute blizzard outside and I was at his house with other friends and he was like, you need to go home. And I was like, I'm from Florida. I've never driven in snow before. And he was like, you can't stay here. And I was like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> um, so I would say if their safety depends on it, there might be rare exceptions, but otherwise, no. <laughs> uh, all right, if, uh, if someone wants to be in a relationship, what would be your best 20-second advice to prepare them for that? But 
Jana and Courtney, I want you to talk to the brothers. And Nate and Brenton, I want you to talk to the sisters. I would say to you bros, um, to become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. If that makes sense. So don't just be consumerist in your attitude. Don't just dream up of all these qualities in a girl that you want. But be, instead, become the guy that the girls are listing out the qualities that they want. And you do that, obviously, by pursuing Christ, running hard after Christ. And not just so that you become dateable, but so that you look more like Jesus, that you fall more in love with Christ, first and foremost. Don't allow somebody to pursue you that doesn't adore you and um, doesn't truly enjoy who you are. So I would say definitely in the 18 to 25 year old range of males, um, give us time. Uh, it doesn't... <laughs> have to happen right now so um, that would be my biggest <laughs> so pursue who you're going to be pursue ministry go after Christ as hard as you can um, and then look around and see what guys are keeping pace with you um, that would be a good standard for um, the direction I would tell you to look for um, my advice to both would be to ask people around you what they think of that person um, I literally did this with Dustin. He asked me on a date, and I was like, mm. And I, for like a week, just asked like random people, like, do you know Dustin Epperly? And they'd be like, yeah. And like, what do you think of him? And they just like tell me honestly. It was awesome. And then they would just be like, why? And I'd be like, no reason. Um, and I got a lot of like just interesting feedback about like, not interesting, like good, about his character. Obviously, I went on a date with him, so it wasn't that bad. But, um... <laughs> I think that just like asking people around that person and then to, to the bros specifically, I think I would say that it's okay to like be upfront. Like you don't have to slide into her DMs. You can literally walk up to a girl and be like, I would like to get to know you. Let's go on a date. That's fine. Even tonight, if you want to. Even tonight, but ask me first, so. Okay. Um, do you believe in the one? Mm. No, I do not. I believe in compatibility and that there are some people who you probably would have an easier marriage or relationship with than others, but I think that it, the one can be dangerous because if you get married to somebody and then you start fighting, then in the back of your mind you're going to be thinking, I married the wrong one. I, I should have married the one. I should have held out. And then that can lead you to looking around for the one. The one might be somewhere else. No and yes. Yes, as in the one that you're married to is the one. It's a covenant uh, under God. So, but no, as in it's not this idea of fulfillment. It's going to uh, be a sanctifying process that could also be ugly, and it's not going to just be roses. I also think it's much more romantic to say instead of it's fate to be with you, instead I choose you. I say I'm saying no to everyone else because you're the one I want. I, I also think it's like an unhelpful construct because then you feel like 
you can like you can't miss God's plan for your life. So it's not like you're like, oh, I missed the one God had for me because I married this guy. Also, logically, if one person messed this up, then everybody's one is jacked up forever. So, like, we would have to have a per- we would have to have a perfect record as humans for centuries to get this right. And I don't, you know. Obviously, God knows who He's sovereign. He knows who you're going to marry. But right. All right. Last question: Is um, is Billy Bob's a good place for a first date? <laughs> Jana's uh, Jana's gonna go first. (laughs) It can be. No, I have to explain what Billy Bob's is really quick. For those of you who don't know, it's like Chuck E. Cheese, but darker and sketchier, and half of everything is broken and it smells weird and there's stains on the carpet. It can be. (laughs) Sounds like a good time. told us and I think it fits the criteria perfectly you're you're upright you're playing games you're learning about somebody you're not sitting in a movie staring at a screen or anything so mm. you're learning if that person's competitive you know what kind of personality they have I think he, I think it's got a lot of potential the correct answer is absolutely not <laughs> if you like a girl do not invite her to Billy Bob's um would you the, take Chuck E. Cheese then? No. The, better. The first time I asked Courtney on a date, she asked me where we were going. I said Billy Bob's, and she said no. Uh, <laughs> and then changed the date uh, to Max and Irma's. Rest in peace, Max and Irma. There, it's gone now. But all right. Um, thanks for doing that, guys. Um, give it up for our panelists. Um, a few things before we get we get done. Please remember. Um, the goal of everything that we do here, we want you to glorify God and pursue Christ with everything in you. And that means even with your sexual purity, even in your dating, even in your singleness, and even against the idolatry of marriage. Um, that is what we want this to be, an uncomfortable place for your idols, but we want it to be a safe place where you can attack them with grace in community. Um, and that's what we want for you. If you need resources on any of the things we talked about, come up and talk to us afterwards. We will point you to the right direction. If you have more questions, please, please, please um, send them to us. We have a blog, Campus Collective blog, that if we get enough questions, we could, um, we could easily write responses to this. Um, and um, we would love uh, to continue to engage in these conversations. Um, I have a few announcements for Campus Collective-related stuff before um, we are done for the evening. Um, this Saturday, October 17th, um, there is a, an event going on called the A21 Global Freedom Summit. And this is an organization that raises awareness and education about human trafficking. Um, as Christians, we should care deeply about this. Um, it's a justice issue. Um, um, the image of God, is, it's all, all of the things that we care. The gospel is a gospel of justice. Um, this is an incredible opportunity um, to go engage that, meet other people, point them uh, to the gospel in the midst of these things. If you have more questions on that, please talk to Morgan Duffy. Morgan, raise your hand. Please talk to her. She is helping um, put that on. But that is uh, Saturday, October 17th from 2 to 4. They're watching. It's basically, I think it's a film, right? Like a documentary film kind of thing. Something. Um, in the Don Morris room. And then from 6 to 8 p.m. Um, on Harless Field. Um, but also, they're going to be live streaming that if that does not sound comfortable to you with um, COVID things going on. Okay? So 
Find Morgan if you have more questions on that. A um, couple more things. October 23rd, mark this on your calendar, ladies. Um, there is going to be a girls' night at the Hazlet house. Love Day. Kristen Hazlet. Her, she's now Love Day. At the Love Day's house. Um, why did I even do They've never, I don't know. Okay. The Love Day's house. Um, is Kristen here tonight? Okay, Michael's here tonight, so if you need information on that, uh, go find Michael. Um, that very same night, we're going to have a guys' night here. It will probably look like a Super Smash Brothers tournament, because that's, you know, it's as creative as we get. Um, we're like, we should all hang out. I know. Let's, let's play. Um, so, um, October 23rd, um, that's going to be here. We'll have more details rolling out on that. Um, other than that, yeah, there's Michael. Um, he can give you info on girls' night. He's not going to be there. Uh, <laughs> He's planning a great night for the girls. Uh, and, uh, anyways, uh, with that being said, guys, let's go ahead and pray um, and end our time. We have uh, dessert checks mix and hot chocolate, I believe, for snacks. So feel free to stick around and get to know someone. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much uh, for the wisdom found in your word. Lord, thank you that, that you have not left us to wonder or question uh, what absolute truth is. Uh, Lord, I pray now for my friends in here that you would give us all hearts that are completely enamored by your glory and your beauty. Lord, let us pursue the things of you um, so that our sexual purity follows right after suit. Um, God, we need help. Give us wisdom and boundaries. Give us openness in our community. Lord, I pray that by the power of Jesus, you would break shame tonight. Lord, that if there are uh, people among us tonight that are struggling with secret sexual sin that needs to be confessed. Lord, I pray that this would be a place where they could do that. And Father, I also pray it's a blessing on the, on the dating lives of, of our ministry. Lord, I pray you would guard us from sin and drama, that you would help us treat each other with respect and dignity as we figure out this mess of, of dating in our culture. So Lord, we need your help. Um, I praise you for the work you've done in this ministry and I pray um, that you would change us all to look more like Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Thank you.